Hey guys, do me a favor right now. Pull out your phone if you're not driving and type in connect.dadtired.com. Again, that's connect.dadtired.com. We've been trying for a long time to figure out a way to create an app or be part of an app that's not on social media that allows the guys of Dad Tired to connect with each other, find guys near them, stay up to date on events, all that kind of stuff. We tried one earlier. It was a little clunky. And so we've now got a redesigned one and it's very, very slick. We have hundreds of guys in it who are loving it already. We just launched it a couple days ago. We would love to have you be part of it. You can meet other Dad Tired guys, find other Dad Tired guys near you, chat directly with Dad Tired guys. It's exactly what we were hoping for. So again, go to connect dot dadtired.com and you can be part of that immediately we can't wait to have you over there today i sit down with one of the dad tired guys in our community and he's sharing his story about what it looked like for him to finally realize that he was not being the spiritual leader of his home and how he was going to start stepping up to be the man god has called him to be it's a really great story i know you're going to like it but before we get into that i want to thank my sponsors for making this episode possible Samaritan Ministries is a biblical solution to healthcare where hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation bear one another's medical burdens through prayer and financial support. It's not insurance and there are no network restrictions, which means you choose the doctors, treatments, and hospitals that are right for you. Medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help pay those bills. It's affordable with a sharing program that could fit your budget and you can join today. Samaritan Ministries is always there to help you choose a quality healthcare provider, to price medical procedures, and 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email to get medical advice before you visit the doctor, which is going to save you time and money. When you think about Samaritan Ministries, you think about the verse in Galatians 6.2, which says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you'd like to learn more about this amazing community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. In a few weeks, we'll be having author Ray Ortland on the podcast to share about his new book, The Death of Porn, the subtitle, Men of Integrity Who Are Building a World of Nobility. It's a really great interview, but I just wanted to give you a head start so you can go pick up a copy of that book before the interview, and I think it'll make it that much more powerful. Pornography may seem inescapable, but God can free us from its destructive power. The gospel replaces the dehumanizing lies of pornography with this surprising truth. God created us as royalty. How then can we reclaim our God-given identity to take a stand against and ultimately starve the predatory porn industry? In The Death of Porn, Ray Ortland writes six personal letters as a father to his son. This is a perfect book for individuals or small groups, and it will give hope to the men who have been misled by porn into devaluing themselves and others. You can pick up a copy of The Death of Porn wherever books are sold or visit crossway.org forward slash plus to find out how you can get 30% off and a free copy of the ebook directly from Crossway. Again, that's crossway.org forward slash plus to find out how you can get 30% off and a free copy of the ebook directly from Crossway. Normally we, you know, on the Dad Tired podcast, we might have authors and speakers and professional musicians or you know mm-hmm. athletes and all that stuff but today we got a man that's just i don't think you're an author or a professional uh, musician are you 
<laughs> I barely I barely made it my way through college, man. Definitely not a pastor. My dad's a pastor, so I'm a pastor's kid, so I got that going for me. But yeah, dude, not have not written a book. Yeah, I've done a church start, not a pastor, just a normal just a normal guy, dude. Like, yeah, like probably all your all your listeners and yeah, just taking the what you talk about on your podcast on on Monday, giving back to the dad tired ministry and uh, trying to apply what I learned from you guys and the authors, the guests that you have, the professional athletes and trying to lead my family. Well, definitely. Dude, it's awesome, man. We got connected on a kind of a deeper level when you went through the family leadership program. That's where I got to hear more of your story. How was the program for you? What month did you jump in? I was in the April, 2021 cohort. The material was fantastic. I, I printed every one of them out, kept them in a binder, refer back to them everywhere. But the connection with other men that are kind of, that are trying to, that are going through, you know, the same things that I'm going through as a husband and as a dad, the sh- stories that you share, the encouragement that you have with some of the guys that you go to the cohorts with, it's, I still stay in contact with quite a few of the guys and, and all that. So yeah, I was in the April, 2021 cohort. That's awesome, man. I think a lot of guys have this preconceived, subtle idea in their head that every other guy's got their stuff figured out. Like I'm behind on being a good husband. I'm behind on being a good dad. I'm behind on where I should be with with the Lord and all these other guys, they got to figure it out. So maybe I'll try to get my stuff together and then I'll kind of engage on a deeper level in whatever area. That's not just like a dad tired thing. It's like a, I'll engage more at my church or in my marriage or whatever. Once I kind of get my stuff together. But what I love about your story is you're really honest about where you were, where you were with the Lord, where you were as a husband. Like you weren't the guy that's like, hey, I'm I'm on staff at the church or I'm volunteering all the time at the church and I'm just looking for 10 other ways to grow my relationship with the Lord. Like you hit some pretty rock bottom spots in your own life, in your own relationship with the Lord. Like unpack, maybe go back as far as you feel comfortable and kind of unpack a little bit of your journey. I mean, you can go back to me being you know, growing up being a pastor's kid, I kind of thought I was going to ride my dad's coattails and into heaven, right? As a family business, being a PK, I used my accomplishments to kind of prop up my faith, right? So I said, I went to California Baptist University. I was a pastor's kid. I taught fourth grade Sunday school. I, I taught VBS. And I still use those accomplishments from when I was 16 years old to try to almost deceive myself being 35, 37, 40, that I years old, that those still had value, right? Even though it was a little bit about my foundation, it really wasn't, I didn't have an active faith. I wasn't pursuing God. I wasn't reading my Bible with my wife, praying with my wife or pointing my kids towards Jesus. And so some of the rocky parts, dude, it was, it was very easy for me to trick myself into thinking that I did have a little bit of it together, especially as I kept receiving these unexpected graces from God, right? Like he blessed me with a great job, the car, the house, everything the world tells you is going to make you happy. But meanwhile, I had this huge void in my heart that I knew was reserved for God. And I just bottled up his voice when he was calling me to do something. I felt called every time I sat in the freaking back pew at church to slide in, slide out. I just bottled up I bottled up his voice and his, and his calling when he was kind of telling me, when he was leading me to do certain things. And so in, in 2017, I, instead of diving into the word and turning towards Jesus, I started a, a clothing line that I've always wanted to do. Uh, but this clothing line I called Dirty Bird Golf because I, I golfed my whole life. Mm. And so I took 
I built this brand on thinking that it was for my family, right? Like it was a family run business, but meanwhile, it was me behind the scenes. I just kind of hid behind that facade, but I, I had t-shirts, polos, hats. I got to be as creative as I wanted and people all over the world as I was marketing this through social media platforms were just praising me for this brand. And so I saw this brand just kind of skyrocket. But what that did was pull me further away from not only the relationship that I wanted with the Lord, but it kind of put a wet, well, it did put a wedge between me and my wife and my kids because I'm spending hours on social media, marketing, networking, create, like it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous that I would spend 40 to 50 hours working on this brand, especially through social media. And I would do all the fulfillment, the website design. People wanted like, hey, can we get hats? So I'm like, sure, I'll go make hats. And I was more concerned with touching a 18-year-old kid that lives in the in his parents' basement in Tallahassee than what's going on with my family, right? Yeah. And so the more successful that brand got, the more irritated I became because it was something that I liked to do. And then it was, I accomplished it, but I couldn't stop it. Right. And mm. so I wanted to be the dad. I wanted to be the husband that, you know, I was that I was originally called to be. But I was I was too busy burying myself in my phone, creating this brand. And then what came along with that was pretty heavy drinking. I have always. Yeah. Let me let me pause you right there. And I want to get I think that's a next chapter. Like that's a next yeah, yeah. chapter in your story. But before yeah. we get into that chapter, I want there's three things that stick out to me as you share that part of your story. The first thing is one thing I always tell guys when we do our conferences is I always tell guys like, where are you at with the Lord today? Not where you were five years from now or when you were 16 or when you were eight, like where are you at with the Lord today? And I think that's a big part of guys need to be really honest with themselves and self-reflective, you know, like, and that's where mm-hmm. you were saying, listen, I, my dad was a pastor. I did all the stuff. I taught the Sunday school. I did all the stuff. And you're just kind of riding that what you were doing with the Lord five years from now or five years ago, five days ago, 15 years ago is not indicative of where you're at with the Lord right now. And so just for every man listening, just ask yourself like right now, where are you at with the Lord today in your pursuit of God today? The second thing that stuck out to me was when you're talking about blessings, I've written about this. I talk about this a lot, but I really think that we've fooled ourselves into thinking Sometimes God is blessing us when actually I don't even know if God's hand is in it because the things that oftentimes we put, we say our blessings are the things that are actually pulling us away from God. And so it's hard to imagine that God would be quote unquote blessing you when it's actually the thing that's pulling you further away from him. So things like, you know, I bought a new house, I got a new job, I got, you know, I I got more a raise, whatever the thing is that you thought God, oh, look, God is blessing me. If those things are pulling you away from the Lord, it's not a blessing, right? And so I think think we've tricked ourselves in the American culture of thinking that blessings, just because something good happens in your life, it's from God. I would just be really careful. If it's not pushing you toward God, it may not be a blessing, even if the world says it is. So stick with that. That was my second thought. And then the third thought I totally lost. So let's get into that. I was going to say, dude, the (laughs) When you have three points, the third one, you know, I always forget. So I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. But you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I think it is us deceiving ourselves. I think it's us thinking like, look at kind of what I have. And those yeah. possessions, those quote unquote blessings that we refer to, they come and they can very easily be taken away. And yeah. in my situation, God took it away in a powerful way 
And that was the biggest blessing of all. Dude, that's it right there, right? And that's Matthew 5. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who persecute. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty. Like the blessing is actually coming when you're experiencing the hard stuff because you're, you're drawing closer to Jesus. I did remember the third one. And it's that a lot of us as guys, and it sounds like this was part of your story, was we are convincing ourselves that we can work really hard because it's quote unquote for the family. I'm doing this for my wife and my kids so they can have a better life or more stuff or we pay the bills or whatever. Dude, if you're listening, man, give yourself an honest assessment. Is it helping your family the amount of time you're spending on X, Y, Z, or is it yeah. an escape from your family? And a further lie that I, I believed was that, you know, being the sole breadwinner of the family, that I somehow earned a day where I could go blow off steam, right? Mm-hmm. And that day for me was to go golfing. And I hated that I would kiss my wife, Gia, goodbye, say I'm going golfing. And she would ask me, please don't drink today. Mm-hmm. When that's eight o'clock in the morning and I knew at 8.30, I would be having a Bloody Mary, I'd have a beer. And that's even before we teed off. Wow. And so alcohol was just, it was my normal group of buddies. Some guys would even go to church, you know, and we would talk about the Lord there, but we would do it as we're cheers in our tall can Coors lights. And it was just this, oh, this deceiving that I somehow earned a day to go blow off steam. And then I would come home at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was almost like an every Friday thing that I would, I would knock out on the couch. It would just completely, when my kids and my wife would, well, here's the worst part. Quality time is my wife's number one love language, Mm. right? And I would tell her on Friday mornings before I go golfing, let's go on a date this afternoon because it's like, hey, I earned this five hours where I can go act like an idiot, but let's go on a date this afternoon. And I broke that. I stood her up. I can't even tell you how many mm-hmm. times because I was too either started my hangover at three o'clock in the afternoon or I was still asleep and I couldn't drive us anywhere. And I, it was just so ridiculous. But kind of my turning point with with everything. Sorry, sorry, dude, I, to keep interrupting you. No, <laughs> please do. Cause I, I'll just keep going. No, this is good, man. I just, you said you're 40. Did you say you're 40? 41. 41. So I think we're, I don't know where like the generation breaks are, you know, I'm 34 and we're the same age. And you know, what's interesting, man. I just thought of this as you were talking. One thing that's not really talked about for in our generation is this alcohol. I feel like I've got a lot of people in my life are surrounded with a lot of people in my like peers, even at a distance and you kind of watch on social media, I feel like we've got a lot of alcoholics in our generation. And it's just kind of like become a, um, that might've been an over dramatic term. I don't know if people are actual alcoholics, but there is kind of this weird culture of like drinking at, at our age. That's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we've really talked about it. It's so casual, you know, even like target makes shirts about it, like wine. And I don't know what all the shirts are. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't shop the yeah. women's section, but you know, like the, <laughs> Yeah. Wine Netflix and yeah, I don't I don't know what they are, but it's we got mugs on it and stuff. And it's a very like, hey, I'm just gonna have a I had a hard day. I'm gonna have like in the mom world, it's pretty big. Like, I'm just gonna have a glass of wine or three glasses of wine, or for the guys, like I'm just gonna have a couple beers. And I'm I'm for it. Like I my fridge has beers in it, and I'll have a beer from time to time with dinner or whatever. Um, so I'm not anti-alcohol and I'm in my home, yeah. and I and I think that it's you know in moderation, but there is this kind of and I don't know if this is the the proper context to to get into it, but there is kind of a, it's so casual in a lot of even Christian circles. That's like, we just drink, but I guess I'm wondering where have we taken seriously the line and 
like, where is that line in the Christian community? What does it look like to be able to drink in moderation? Like, and are you still being righteous? And what does the righteousness line look like? And I guess that's something that maybe we should consider more seriously being out of control, being drunk. Like when do you go from like, I'm just having a couple beers or a beer to like, I'm purposely trying to get inebriated so that I'm losing, I'm burying stuff that I should be dealing with. I think it's a big deal in our, in our generation. I don't actually think that we're talking about it that much, but anyway, you don't have to give any thoughts to that, but I just, no, I I mean, I think maybe I struggled with it for a long time because my dad wouldn't be within being a pastor and being kind of under the microscope of the, of the church and the congregation is he wasn't within 50 feet of alcohol. I mean, when, when my buddies were starting to get married, he would go to the ceremony and then leave at the reception because he knew there was going to be alcohol consumed. Mm. And so Mm. I thought like, Hey, look at me. I can go to church on Sunday mornings, pay half attention, pretend to lead my family well, and then I can go drink and I'm still okay. Right. Like I still function myself and I'm still functioning. It's, you know, it's not like I'm doing it every day and I was making up kind of all these excuses, but so I struggled with that for a long time just because I could, you know, look at I, I'm, how much I want to say I'm more successful than my father. I don't know if that's the thing, you know what I mean? But I do know that that was a big part of my battle, especially with it, is that look how I can function, but still that take that few hours a week where I can go out with my buddies because I earned it because I'm the sole breadwinner or whatever. But then I dived into the, I dove into the word. And I think if you aren't reading your Bible, if you're not close to God, those answers that you just talked about that line, as we, you and I kind of know it's, it's in the Bible, right? It says mm-hmm. to be sober minded. And mm-hmm. so if I'm not, if I realized it's a lot of the bad decisions that I was making the time on social media, the time with dirty bird, the time with golfing with my buddies, they all and in, really involved alcohol. So if I could eliminate alcohol from my mind, from my heart, from my house, then I can start thinking a little bit more Christ-like. And so quick story, one, well, I went same Friday, not same Friday, but I mean, it was the same routine on a Friday morning. I kissed Gia goodbye, tell her I'm not going to be drinking. And I find myself at the bar at the golf club, you know, eight o'clock, 8.30 in the morning, starting to drink. When I go golfing, I put my phone on do not disturb because I'm playing music with my buddies. It's probably Tupac, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> stuff that I probably wouldn't be listening to around my kids. And Gia called me a few times to say, hey, we got the keys. We're going to go up to her grandparents' cabin up in Big Bear with my in-laws, my nephews and all of that. And so she was reminding me to come home sober so that I could drive us up the mountain. And didn't get the message, was going to continue to do my thing, came home, said hi to everybody. She took kind of one look at me. I laid down on the couch at probably two o'clock in the afternoon. They packed up their stuff and went to Big Bear without me. I would wake up in a dark house, no lights on. And I grab my phone and I check what's on Instagram because of the post that I made that morning before I called G and the kids to see where they were. And I real, and then I look at my texts and they were up in big bear. So I think that's, as I wake up in a very dark house, that's also the time that God kind of knocked on my heart and was like, Mm. dude, you gotta be, you gotta be done with this. You're missing out on opportunities to lead your family, spend time with family. And it was all around alcohol. When Gia came home the next day, I was dumping all the alcohol out of the house. I had a little cabinet of whatever I had. And my son actually helped me dump out all the alcohol, you know, the binge drinking golfing that I thought 
I could handle was gone. It doesn't mean that I don't drink now. I drink with my wife. Mm. We joined a country club and I have a margarita with her. And it's <laughs> one of the highlights of my week. Yeah. And then we, I never drank wine before. And so now, and she has always been a whiner. We drink wine together, but you won't find me going out with another group of men or anything like that and, and binge drinking. I eliminated it from my life, but it is something that I enjoy doing with, with my wife is experimenting with a new cocktail or something like that, but I yeah. do it with her. And that's how God kind of got a hold of me while at the same time, it was really my kind of my rock bottom. Yeah. Was that the moment when you wake up and you're, was she, was she pissed? Like, would she sending texts and stuff? Like, how would, how did she react? Would she, did she leave mad? Did she leave sad? Did, like, what, did, what was her emotion? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. Mm-hmm. I was asleep. I was passed out. Um, but when you, well, when you woke up and you, and you, the sounds like the Holy <coughs> Spirit is using that, which he often does in the quiet. You're alone. It's quiet. And now you're having a, the Holy Spirit's using that to speak to you. And you're like, what are you doing? And it's always gentle, man. This, the Lord is so graceful. He's so gentle. It sounds like even in this is like giving you eyes to see what you're missing out on because of, and that's usually what our sin, sin always leads to death, right? In some way, death of relationship, death of joy, death of peace, all that. And so you're experiencing a little bit of death and you saw some death in relationship and you, you're not getting to experience the fullness of that relationship because of stuff that you were doing. And so God points that out to you. When you had that moment, what were, did you text your wife? Did you, was it like, okay, I need to tell her about this and I'm going to make a, a solid stance or like, what did practically, what did the next couple of days look like? Thankfully, God was already moving in her life mm-hmm. three years prior to that, right? When I went and started Dirty Birds, this was 220. This was, this was last year. It's funny because when women aren't being poured into by their husbands, then they go get poured into by other women, right? I think that's why there's like the bachelor night and all that. They get together on Mondays and they associate with other women. When men aren't being poured into, we go sin, right? Mm -hmm. We go find the buddies that, you know, are, and we share stories about, you know, how their, their wife isn't meeting their needs or whatever it is, you know? But as I went and started my clothing line, Gia dove into her relationship with God Mm. and she was the one leading the family. She's the one getting up, reading her Bible, praying for me every morning, mm. you know? And so I think that there, when, to answer your question, I think that she probably knew that this was a little bit of a breaking point for me when they're heading up to Big Bear to be with the family and I'm, you know, on the couch, she didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to say anything. And so I spend the weekend essentially by myself and I can tell you that the, I prayed for the first time I'd always done, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the blessings you give us like that same repetitive prayer that we can always do. when we get yeah. into the routine of doing, Yeah. I get on my knees on Gia's side of the bed and I could, I can't tell you how long I prayed for 30 minutes, 45 minutes was my guess. Mm. And I just, I left every burden, mistake, sin, addiction, everything at the cross and I wake up, I wake up, I open my eyes after praying and my wife's side of the bed is just soaked with my tears. Wow. And at that point I realized when's the last time you had cried like that? Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never. I mean, I lost my grandfather and I didn't cry that hard. Mm. And I realized that, you know, and I kept hearing, I kind of kept hearing, you know, 
pick up your cross, right? I've always, this verse has always stuck out to me as, as a little kid. And I think we don't have an active faith and we're not, I, for me, and I wasn't reading my Bible and meeting with Jesus daily. I started to take some of the verses that I had heard when I was younger and I could mold them into how I wanted it to fit into my life. Mm. And so I had always heard, you know, I'll pick up your cross and, and follow me, right? Well, I equated that to every Sunday morning. I could say, God, forgive me for my sins, rededicate my life, but then not take that next step and go forward. So it was almost like I was asking God, God, can you change my circumstances without me changing anything that I was doing on a mm. daily basis, right? I yeah. knew I was doing things that didn't glorify God, that didn't honor my wife and my family. But then reading the Bible, I realized that it says, Jesus says that if you want to be a disciple of mine, you must first deny yourself, pick up my, your cross and follow me. And so that deny yourself is the part that I had to focus in on. And I had to deny myself was keeping me from a relationship with God and keeping Christ to be at the center of my marriage. Mm. And the first thing was the alcohol. So mm. I dumped out and threw out the alcohol and I did it in front of my kids. I did it in mm. front of my wife. I was just curious, did, when you were, when you're praying like that and you feel like the Lord is you know, starting to stir things up in you and draw you back to him, did you ever get back to the, or did you have any clarity on like the why, like why you were drinking, why you were escaping? Why did you, you know, it's one thing just like I'm behaving poorly and now I need to behave better. But sometimes the Lord will like, man, here's a void I'm trying to fill. And that's actually where some of the deepest healing comes for, from is when you, when you like can get to that core of like, here's actually why I'm behaving this way. Did you have any clarity on I, that? I didn't like what I was becoming. Mm. I didn't like what I was for kind of a long time. At that moment, I almost needed something. I needed a sudden moment where I had to leave the old past behind because I wanted to be involved in the church. I wanted Christ at the center of my marriage with Gia. I wanted to pray with my kids. But I, I almost feel like I needed a reason to. And that reason was kind of this, this vision that I had that I was driving in my car and I could see my kids on the front porch as I'm driving away. So I knew that it was what was at stake, right? And I think I needed to be at rock bottom to realize what I was going to be losing because I have the best kids. My wife is, oh, dang it, Jared, I didn't want to cry, man. <laughs> My wife is the most godly person I know and praise mm -hmm. God that he got a hold of Gia's heart mm -hmm. three years before I spiraled because it, the same grace that, that Jesus showed us by dying on the sins was the same grace that Gia had for giving me for being a bonehead, for acting like an mm -hmm. idiot and being so selfish. I think that's what God kind of of my heart is how selfish I was thinking that I kind of had it all together. Right. And then I still can't listen to Matthew West song, truth be told. Right. Cause it's, mm. it's, that was me, man. That was me thinking that when somebody says, Hey Josh, how you doing? I'm like, I'm great, man. Or another day in paradise. But meanwhile, I'm as broken, miserable, bored, right? Like you said, a bored man is a dangerous man. And, uh, you know, I can remember telling myself during that time with dirty bird is that I was I was bored, you know, I was, I was searching for something, but meanwhile, maybe it's the foundation that my parents gave me and the foundation of being a pastor's kid that them that knowing that's where I needed to get back to. I needed to get back yeah. to church. I needed to get back to Jesus. 
and having a close personal active relationship with him to fill that void. And I knew that, but God basically said, I could take all this away. I can take all this away from you. And when I realized that how fragile everything was, is that it, it required a radical change in me that I was excited for and that I was open to uh, experiencing. And so I just, all the hurt, all the pain, all the everything that I, that I was carrying, everything that the world was telling me, this is what's going to make you happy. I turned the other cheek and I designed, I denied myself the alcohol, the social media. I shut down the Dirty Bird website. This is a big weekend. Yeah. Dumped off wow. the alcohol, turned off dirtybirdgolf.com. You can't find me on social media. I got rid of all of that. You won't yeah. find me on the Instagram. I had people are on Instagram chasing to see how many followers they can get, right. you know, and they're always kind of pushing the envelope to try to do something different. And that was me. Holy smokes. That was me. I, to try to get followers, I created a game with my buddies where I bought a taser. We called, we called it taser golf. <laughs> if you hit a, if you hit a ball out of bounds, you got to tase yourself on camera. And so if you three putt, you had to tase yourself. So I was just doing this stupid <laughs> reckless stuff to try to gain followers. And like I said, I had yeah. more, yeah. I put more emphasis into doing something like that than leading my, than pray, simply praying with my kids before dinner. Like I, yeah. I would put more effort into, into my content on social media. And so God revealed that this is so all of the, your personal life, your relationship with me, your relationship with your wife and your kids that I blessed you with can very easily be taken away. I don't think God's in the business of doing that, but he showed me that that's what's at stake right now. So I had no choice. And I was, like I said, I was excited to, to kind of turn away from the bad habits that I had and point my eyes towards Jesus and love my wife and my kids. I love it, man. He is in the business of like chasing after hearts and redeeming hearts and he'll do whatever it takes to, to get that accomplished. My wife always says, God will break your leg to save your life, you know? <laughs> and so he just, I don't think that God really thinks twice about like, breaking your leg, whatever the breaking your leg is, you know, like, cool. You have a social media account. I'll cut that down. Like right now, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, and my wife and I talk about this all the time, even with dad tired, you know, and, and, and dad tired's grown and we've seen lots of great things, but this ministry will come and go really quickly, but the kingdom keeps moving on. And so I just think that God cares more about his kingdom and his glory more than our little yeah accomplishments and things yeah. like that. So I, yeah, yeah, man. This is so recent. I mean, really, and you put it in all perspective of your life. It's still pretty recent. Like what, what does life look like since that? sounds like it was a big weekend. You know, you're, you're crying harder than you've ever cried in your life. You're pouring out the alcohol, <laughs> you're cutting out the, and I love that dude. I'm just, and I would just tell any guy listening, like what's taking more of your time than praying with your wife and kids, being the spiritual leader God's called you to be like, you got, there's probably something, there's probably something you're pouring a lot of time and energy and thought to, and it's not being the leader God's called you to be. And so just, you know, what self-assess, what am I pouring a bunch of time and energy into? That's not, doesn't have kingdom impact. So I love that when you did that, like, what does life look like? You know, since obviously we're all still stumbling our way forward. I, I don't imagine you've figured this whole thing out yet, but you know, what does life look like now? How are you stumbling now? It was crazy. The next Sunday we go to church after drop, you know, after basically saying I'm done with the old self. I go to church. I, during invitation, I uh, kissed Gia on the cheek and went forward and rededicated my life. And the following week, Gia baptizes me, oh, which was man. the most incredible, oh, gosh. incredible experience. So cool. 
I dry off. I go back to my seat in the uh, congregation and uh, or in the auditorium. And our church, I go to Crossroads in Corona. It's kind of a mega church. And Pastor Chuck is kind of having this banter with one of the other pastors, Pastor Dave. And Dave is the connection. So he does all the life groups and all that kind of stuff to make a big yeah. church feel small. Yeah. <clears throat> and they're talking about affinity groups, like activity groups. So here I am basically saying, I knew I wasn't going to be playing golf with the same group of guys, right? But I love golf. And I was basically alone, dude. I didn't, everybody that I surrounded myself with in the golf community were guys that I wasn't going to participate in the same things that I had been participating in the past. And so I heard God pretty loud and clear say, Josh, start a life group for golfers. And Mm. so I think when you have, when you kind of hear God's calling and, and, and him leading you in a certain direction, it's an overwhelming, calming peace that you get, right? Like there's, when people say, I hear God's voice, it's a very powerful emotion, you know, and he tells me you're going to start a life group for golfers. And I'm like, I had spent decades saying no to God. So I'm like, Hmm. absolutely. I'm going to start a life group for golfers during service. I don't encourage this, but I text pastor Dave and I'm like, I want to start a life group for golfers. So that was on Sunday. I have my interview with him. I'm like, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's the study that I'm going to do. It's going to be great. He's like, Sunday morning before church starts, we're going to have you get up and talk about your life group for golfers to see if we can get, see if we can get some synergy behind it. So I can remember praying with, well, actually here's something really cool. The Saturday night before we had had soccer games, we had something where G and I didn't do our Bible study in the morning, but we did it at nighttime. And I'm asking, I'm here. I am basically a week removed from being baptized and rededicating my life. And I'm like having these doubts, right? And I think we, you know, the enemy wants to, he's an enemy of doubt, right? He likes to put these things in your head. Josh, your sin's too heavy. You don't know enough about the Bible. There's no way anybody's going to show up to your life group for golfers. It's not going to be like, you're just kind of wasting your time. My Bible study sat, oh, actually it's Friday night. Friday night, I was in the the journal that I was doing, it said to uh, ask God to reveal himself to you. And I've never asked God to kind of do that or anything. Mm. And I asked Gia that Friday night, but knowing that I was going to speak in front of the church on Sunday about my life group for golfers concept. I'm like, gee, what does it mean to kind of like ask Jesus to reveal yourself? And we kind of stumbled our way through an answer, you know, not really knowing what it was. So I think it's an experience. It's mm. not something that you can kind of put into words. And so I prayed that prayer. I wrote that prayer out at like 10 o'clock the next morning on Saturday. I woke up at eight o'clock and I do the next study. And that next study led me to Malachi five where Jesus, I'm going to butcher this, but where Jesus and an angel, of the Lord is standing with Joshua and Joshua is in filthy rags. And Jesus says, God says, clean them up. So the angel of the Lord cleans up, puts a clean white turban on your head and says, Joshua, I have forgiven you from all of your sins. Hmm. And here it is with Joshua with exclamation points, right? Like it couldn't have been more God revealing himself. And he's saying, Josh, you were going to lead a group of men, right? And he's saying, you can, he's encouraging me saying, Josh, you can do this. And it was in Malachi and it was not even 12 hours after I had prayed, God, can you reveal yourself to me? And he completely calmed any doubt that I had. And I knew that he was, this was what I was supposed to be doing was starting a life group for golfers. And so the next morning at church, I'm standing up nervous as can be, you know, because two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was at the golf club 
drunk driving home like an idiot. You know what I mean? And here I am standing in front of the church saying, outwardly professing that I'm starting a life group for golfers. I hope you guys can show up. I don't care if you're a single digit handicap or you don't even own a golf, a golf club. The, God says to come as you are. And so immediately I had like 10 to 12 to 15 guys that day sign up for my life group for golfers. And a couple of guys pulled me aside and they're like, I had to give up golf because I, I equated golf with drinking. Mm-hmm. And it was the same battle that I had had for years to where some guys just gave up golf, but now that they had a reason to pick up their sticks. And so now every, uh, every other Friday, I get a group of men together. We play nine holes and then we sit around and we study a book. The last book we did was written by J- Pastor Jody Burkeen. It was called Man Up. And it was mm. eight chapters of chapter one. It was a roadmap, essentially. It was like chapter one, how to man up personally. And it, at the end of each chapter, it would say, it would give a challenge. And it was read your Bible and pray daily. Mm. Chapter two was man up in your marriage. And the challenge was read your Bible pray with your wife daily. So now you're incorporating your wife into your faith. Chapter three was man up in fatherhood and how you can point your kids towards Jesus. Right. I was doing all of this while I was listening to the dad tired ministry. Every Monday, my wife gave me your, uh, your dad tired book, the the big beard and the green one for (laughs) Christmas, you know, and then anything that you put out, I have your yellow devotional. What was that one called? Stop behaving. Stop behaving. So Jared, I'm not giving you a commercial. I'm not blowing smoke as God was pulling me out of a dark place. So was your ministry. Mm. And that's why I I've signed up for your meetups. I give to you monthly. It's because you are doing incredible things with men all over the country, all over the world. So I started the dad. I started the uh, life group for golfers the following Sunday my wife and I are wrapping Christmas presents. We're watching the service online. After service, I usually just cut it off before the invitation, but I let it play. There was a commercial about junior high ministry and the same feeling that, of, that I had come over me about, you know, starting the life group for golfers was, was God calling me to, the, to serve at the junior high ministry. And so that following Wednesday, scared to death, I show up after uh, kind of being interviewed and cleared to be a, a, a leader at junior high ministry. I'm walking up with my seventh grade son, Caleb, wow. and we're scared to death because <laughs> we'd never done this before, right? Yeah. He, he didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody, but I walk up and I see a bunch of the leaders and they're half my age. I'm like, I could very easily get back in the car and just kind of disappear yeah. and nobody knows who Josh McSpadden is. Right. And, but God's like, there's, you know, God's kind of said, he says, keep moving. And so I keep moving and Wednesday night at junior high ministry pouring in, I lead a group of eighth grade boys and talk about accountability, right? If I'm saying, be careful of what's on YouTube, what's on social media, the drinking, the girls, you guys are getting ready for high school. If I'm doing those things on the weekend, uh, how big of a hypocrite am I, right? Yeah. And so it's very cool to pour into young people. And I have a, I have a, a great time praising, praising the Lord through that, through that. But it's also God was using me to help guide those young leaders. There's a group of guys that you know graduated from the same college I went to or that are half my age. Knowing that Dirty Bird was how God used Dirty Bird 
I still have an inventory of polos and hats. So I wholesale to get rid of a lot of that stuff, the local golf shops, but I still, there's still income coming in. I take that income and I bless guys and gals that are mm. in the junior high ministry. Dad tired ministry is being blessed from dirty bird money. Mm. And so I'm using, he, he, you know, guys ha- are getting married. And so I'm like, Hey, you gotta, you give your, your fiance flowers on your wedding day. And they're like, Nope. And I'm like, well, here's the flowers. Here's, you know, I've been home 50 bucks and I'm like, you know, make sure you got a cute note in there. And sometimes they're like, I can't cope with anything. So I'll come up with, you know, kind of <laughs> notes that they just send real there. life, real so, life discipleship, man. You're just like, you're walking alongside of guys. It's yeah. And it's just, it's fun. So life group for golfers is ongoing thing serving at junior high ministry, being involved in the church, like vacation Bible school. I ran, I had a kind of leadership program at vacation Bible school, leadership position at vacation Bible school and just loving on kids and loving on people. But everything I try to do is my wife, my faith first, right? And then anything that I can do to the best of my ability, lead my wife, lead my kids towards Jesus and take care of my responsibilities and, and knowing how God wants us to God gives us a couple of commands in the Bible, right? It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I tell my kids that we write it all over our windows and here in the bathroom on the mirror, because that's one of the commands that God gives us. And if you can, and there's a whole thing, you know, philosophy, maybe, I don't know if it's a philosophy or, or how I'm, I'm living my life, but it's, it's loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love is not an emotion, it's an action. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that, that God loves his church so much that he calls it his bride, right? So he sees how important a marriage is and how important my wife is. And if God loves his church the way he loves his bride, then then I have to love my wife with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that love is not an emotion, it's an action. So if, if I'm misstepping, if I'm if I'm not doing something that honors her and my family, then God gives me kind of the power and the courage to deny myself, whatever that situation is. So, yeah, I think, dude, it's so powerful, man. Your story is so powerful and inspiring. And I, you know, just want to like pause for the guys who are listening right now and, and kind of circling back to the guys who are like, you know, I, I'm trying to get my own stuff together. I don't feel like I can even be used by God. What's beautiful about your story. It reminds me of Peter when Peter's last interaction with Jesus, when Jesus was alive. He's looking him in the face and denying that he even knows him. It's his best friend. Then the next time they they interact, Jesus is calling him back into ministry. Peter was, he was like, dude, I'm going to go fishing. Like I'm depressed. I, I, I just looked the savior of the world, my best friend in the eye said I didn't even know him. I'm going back to fishing. I quit ministry and Jesus calls him back into ministry. But his prerequisite for calling him back was, and he keeps asking, do you love, G-? Peter denies Jesus three times. And then Jesus says, three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and Peter says, I do love you. And then Jesus says, then go, you know, take care of the sheep, feed my sheep. So he calls him back into ministry. I say all that because the prerequisite is not having your life all together of getting, you know, being sin free and getting all this stuff. It wasn't like a six month back to like figuring your life out. And then you can be back in ministry. You were, I love that you said I was drunk on the golf course weeks earlier. And now I'm standing on stage of the church, inviting guys into this golf small group that I didn't even like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And the only thing that changed there was your love for Christ. God yeah. started to capture your heart and you, and you loved him and now he's using you. And so for any guy listening, man, 
that's the prerequisite. You want to be used by God. You want to step into spiritual leadership. You want to move into the things God's calling you to. It's not a 50 step plan. It's, are you willing to love God? Are you willing to deny yourself and love God? Because if you are, he's going to use you in, in huge ways. And I, and I just want to end with this, like for a guy listening right now, maybe you stumbled across the podcast, or maybe you just uh, you've been listening for a long time and you're kind of writing, like we talked about at the very beginning, you're writing the coattails of where you used to be with the Lord or what your dad did or your family did or whatever. But I just feel really pressed right now. Like maybe today is the day that you make a very conscious decision that you're going to deny yourself and that you're going to say, I'm, I'm done trying to be God in my own life because it's failing mm-hmm. and I'm going to surrender my life to Christ today, the, the real God. And so, man, if that's you, if you're listening to this and I, I don't know if you're like driving right now or you're working out or you're mowing the lawn or whatever you're doing, maybe God right now, you're hearing Josh's story and you're like, that. I see pieces of me in Josh's story and I want to give my life to Christ. Like, I want to take this stuff seriously. I want to lead my family well, dude, just right now. Listen, you've heard me talk. If you've listened to the podcast, I'm not all about, you know, just say one prayer and your life's forever changed. But I do think that there is power in saying a prayer. <laughs> And, say, and making a decision one time, like Josh wept on his bed, you know, for however long, I'm not saying you need to spend 45 minutes weeping right now as you drive, but maybe you do need to pray right now and say, God, I'm sorry for where I've been at and I'm ready to give my life to you. And dude, there's nothing more important you can go do right now. There's no work task. There's no email. There's no text. There's nothing that is more important right now than you making a conscious decision to say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. If you do that, man, One, just know everything's going to change. God's going to start using you and changing you in big ways. And it's going to be hard and scary, but it's all for your good and for God's glory. Um, And if you, if that's you, dude, like shoot me an email and I'd love to just hear your story. If that, if that's where you're at, if you make that decision today, and I'm sure Josh would love to hear that story and rally behind you as you move forward in what God has for you. But dude, Josh, thank you, man. This is so cool. Getting to know you better and hear your story. I know you're not on social media, but you are part of our family leadership program. So any guys that, you know, are part of that can connect with you there. And, um, is, I don't know, is there any other way you, you want them to send you a, a mail, like a snail mail, a letter in the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can send postcards. That'd be cool. Hit, hit you up on MySpace or something. I don't know. Like what? <laughs> no, I, I mean, to be honest, there's really no way to get a hold of me. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I'm just kind of floating around. I, but you, you know, I, I think if you've updated the dad tired website and, I don't know what the forward slash is, whether it's connect or meetup, I think is what it is. Yeah. I'm down in SoCal. And, and if any, there's any golfers around here, man, yeah, man, Orange County, LA County, that they can go there and love to meet up. But yeah, like you said, there's, we're all one decision away from living a different life. Mm. And that one decision about following Jesus and protecting my wife's faith and my kids is the best decision I've ever, I've ever made. And I will, daily pick up my cross and follow Jesus. But Brent, it's been an honor visiting with you this morning, man. And yeah. uh, I, I can't thank you enough for your heart and your ministry and what God's doing in your life, but uh, and, and in this ministry. But thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been fun. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that episode. As a reminder, our family leadership program will close registration at the end of this month and we'll jump into a new cohort for October. We only have 30 spots per month. If you want to jump into that, you can go to dadtire.com forward slash lead. Again, that's dadtire.com forward slash lead. Hope to see you there.